another kind of mind turnarounder is the use of affirmations instead of affirmations. So affirmations are like, uh, you know, I am healthy, I am healthy, I am healthy. And then your body, your, your mind says, no, you're not, no, you're not. So there's a little bit of a battle. But mm-hmm. if you say it often enough, an affirmation does take root, right? Um, so, so it does work. But affirmation is when you put in the form of a question. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. My name is Rory Gill. I'm a real estate attorney and real estate broker operating out of Massachusetts. And I'm really excited for our conversation today because we are going to discuss kind of the most important thing in your business. And that is yourself, your mindset, and really what you can do to get out of your own way to realize the success you have. So today we're speaking with Blaine Okers. He is the chief results officer. He can be your chief results officer. And he's also in charge of Selfluence, masterminds of many professionals out there who are looking to improve upon themselves and instill good habits along the way. So Blaine, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Roy, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit today and maybe help a few of the listeners, uh, yeah, to kind of increase their their own power. I, I call it self-fluence, which is the, the art and science of influencing yourself or kind of the power you already have to influence yourself. You don't need anything new. You don't need any fancy softwares or apps or anything. That three-pound tool at the top of your head is, is all you need. And, and most people know how to do stuff. They're just not focused on it in the right way. So, so it's kind of fun to share and, and help entrepreneurs. And, and primarily, I do work with attorneys, real estate agents, dentists, professionals, and, and those kinds of people. And, and I've been doing it for a long time. So I hope I can add a little value today. Thank you. And I mean, what you're introducing there is really the core of it all. I think it's pretty easy in these professions when there are kind of limitless choices and limitless opportunities for us to kind of pare down and think about the essentials. When met with other people in the past, often these discussions get a little bit safer and simpler when we talk about the specific tools that we could be using instead. Shiny object syndrome comes in and we were looking for that silver bullet that could really tie everything together. But you're talking about using what people already have to improve upon themselves. Introduce that a little bit more. Tell us you know, who you're working with and what your mission is with those people. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I had a few moments of dawning comprehension, you know, where, you know, the light bulb goes off and you're never quite the same again. And so for me, the first one happened uh, in college, went to and graduated from Purdue University. And while I was there, kind of maybe like some of the listeners, I've always been a seeker of knowledge, right? I always want to, how could I do better? How could I improve? And I saw this ad uh, and it was for an audio cassette tape. So kind of dating myself here it was in the eighties. Uh, some people might not even know what an audio cassette tape is, but, but anyway, it's a little audio program and you put in your Sony Walkman and listen to it. But I sent away and it was for kind of an abridged version, a reading of this book called Think and Grow Rich. And it was actually read by this guy, Earl Nightingale, who ended up becoming one of my mentors. Anyway, I got the tape. I listened to it and then I bought the book and I read the book. And my moment of dawning comprehension was this realization. And I made a little phrase, what you think about, you bring about. 
And so it was the realization that my thoughts plus action, like what you think about you bringing about, but my thoughts were really the thing that was shaping my life. And then later, uh, a second mentor, actually my favorite mentor is this guy named Jim Rohn. You know, he said, it's not what happens that determines your life future. It's what you do about what happens. And so uh, the, the, the dawning comprehension moment was that my life is being shaped by the lens that I'm looking through, which is really my thoughts. And so what you think about, you bring about, you know, you could think a thought that you're thirsty and you go get a drink of water, or you could think a thought that you want to see a movie. Uh, so you find out, okay, when's the movie playing? Who could I go with, right? You bring that stuff about. And so I started doing that kind of with bigger and bigger things. And I had a bunch of success. Uh, I met my wife in college. We've been married 30 years now. Uh, you know, I had some good business success. And then the second moment kind of of dawning comprehension for me, my degrees in computer science, I came back from this business trip. And then my son, Bo, he was kind of like giving me the cold shoulder. And I said, Beth, like, what, what is Bo sick? Like, what's wrong? She goes, no, you were gone so long. He kind of forgot who you were. And I was like, oh, man, that like hit me like hard emotionally. So I made this clarifying decision that night that I would be a work from home dad. I didn't know how I was going to do it, uh, but I made this clarifying decision. I had this emotional resolve to really go do that. And so it took me a year, started a couple of businesses. That was a really hard year on the marriage, you know, starting some businesses, keeping my full-time job. But a year later, I did break free. Uh, and so when I broke free, that was uh, 27 years ago. So I was the work, kids are out of the nest now, uh, but I was, uh, and I still am this, this work from home guy. Uh, but what happened is that moment, again, I got into the white table, what you think about, you bring about, I was just, you know, totally focused on being able to work from home, but being able to work from home and owning my own business, that gave me the freedom to start to figure this self-development stuff out, but also the freedom to do some, we could talk about some exercises people could use to figure out like, why am I here? Like, what is the purpose for my life? And when I figured that out, which for me is to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, I founded in 2009, this company called Self-Fluence, which we talked about before. And that really, to me, is the essence of of, you know, people taking control of their lives by taking control of themselves and really that everything you need is within reach. <clears throat> You're already doing it. And if you decide you could master it, uh, one framework I have is called the 21 second habits, how to create new habits in 21 seconds, not 21 days or uh, the 30 minute hour. I have good names for stuff. The 30 minute hour, how to get an hour's worth of stuff done in just 30 minutes where you can kind of compress time. Uh, and then maybe hacking your head trash, which again, as you move forward, you know, that, that holds a lot of people down, limiting beliefs, self-doubt, you know, some of that mind, monkey mind chatter. Um, so anyway, that's a big, long introduction there to that. But but anyway, I started working with some mastermind groups and they called me the chief results officer. And I like that. I went to the US Patent and Trademarked Office. No one was using it. I got the registered trademark, the R with the circle. And so now I am America's only chief results officer doing what I think I'm, I, I'm uh, uh, born to do. And, and that's help people. Well, you are great at naming things. Everything is kind of catchy and kind of illustrates its purpose and where we're going with it. Kind of the core of what you discuss, your materials that I've read, um, is the white table principle. And let me start and give some practical grounding to the first half of that, you know, what you think about. What are some of those beliefs that people have, you know, examples or just ideas that either are positive and they can help promote results or are self-limiting beliefs? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I heard this great quote once. Um, when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And so, unfortunately, many of us have, uh, you know, programming, past experiences that are, you know, become very limiting. Uh, you know, and they call them limiting beliefs, right? I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm not enough this. I'm not enough that. Uh, you know, and sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's a fear of success, you know, uh, of getting too successful or of not being successful. So there's lots of different kind of negative, uh, and limiting beliefs that can hold you back, right? That can hold you back. And so, uh, now on the flip side of that, there are, podcasts like this one. There are mentors, you know, there are books like Think and Grow Rich and, and people like Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn, uh, you know, that can lift you up, that could be your mentor, right? That that can, uh, you know, move you forward. So it's kind of, Napoleon Hill describes it as the stream of life, you know, and the stream is in two directions. There's kind of a negative and a positive. And the key is to get in that positive stream and then stay there for as long as you possibly can. And so what I like to do is to help people. Everybody has the voice of doubt and and the limiting beliefs. And I have them as well. Now, they used to be a lot louder and now they're kind of in the corner and I can keep them under, under control. But what I like to do is help people to, when they have the limiting belief, to as quickly as possible, flip it. Flip it and get the brain working for them, not against them. That's number one is, is to quickly flip away from the negative. And then the second part is then to pour in the positive to kind of stay ahead of it, right? So let's go through maybe a couple of practical examples. One very simple one is what I call the yeah, but. So when you have a limiting belief or, or you hear something negative from yourself or other people, so you can yeah, but yourself or you can yeah, but other people, you know, but the idea is you just say, yeah, but at the end of that thing, I'll give you an example, uh, and then let your mind start to go to work for you instead of against you, right? So you uh, commonly uh, business owners say, I don't have enough time. I never have enough time. Now, when you say I never have enough time, then your brain says you never have enough time. And it goes to look for examples to show you, you don't have enough time because you have this to do and that to do and this and you're, you're, you're a parent and you're a business owner and you're blah, 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 blah. You're done for. I don't have enough time. I never have enough time. Yeah, but. I control my schedule. Yeah, but I can hire, uh, you know, a nanny. Yeah, but I can delegate more. Yeah, but, and, and you begin to find the answers by yeah, butting. And it does, it's a quick, it's a quick shift of the mind there to kind of flip it on its, uh, on its other side. Uh, so that I think is very helpful. Sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're kind of thinking about something, um, you know, you can also use the word yet, you know, uh, you, you know, I, I don't have enough time yet. Mm-hmm. So that's another kind of very quick, easy way to kind of turn your mind uh, around. Another kind of mind turnarounder is the use of affirmations instead of affirmations. So affirmations are like, uh, you know, I am healthy, I am healthy, I am healthy. And then your body, your your mind says, no, you're not, no, you're not. So there's a little bit of a battle. But mm-hmm. if you say it often enough, an affirmation does take root, right? Um, so so it does work. But affirmations, this guy Noah St. John came up with the, um, an affirmation is, is when you put in the form of a question and you say, why do I find it so easy to be healthy? Because... And now your mind starts to work because you threw out the junk food, because you're getting your vitamin C, because you're exercising every day, because you're getting fresh air, because you're going for a walk, you know, all, all these things, right? So you put in the form of, why do I find it so easy to eat healthy? 
you know, or to be healthy, right? Whatever the case may be. So that's affirmations. So let me kind of stop there before I go into kind yeah. of how you can kind of pour the, keep, keep it positive, but just those are some ways of kind of flipping, flipping the mind quickly. And I mean, I can immediately think of limiting beliefs that I've had or encountered um, along the way. And, you know, the example you gave there is good and it's difficult to shift that. But I can also think of, you know, if, yeah, I don't have enough time is kind of an external thing. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough money. And you can counter that with some yeah, buts. But I imagine there's a real challenge when it's a, a deeper identity. You know, I'm not that kind of person that does this. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not as outgoing. Those sorts of um, self-limiting beliefs. When you're working with somebody, what are some strategies you have to really kind of craft those difficult self-limiting beliefs? We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Yeah, yeah. So like, let's take that one, like, I'm not a good speaker, right? Yeah, but and then something's going to trigger in your own mind. So, so you can, even for the deeper ones, you can use that, you know, yeah, but I'm willing to get on podcasts. Yeah, but I'm willing to start a podcast. Yeah, but, you know, I'm willing to, you know, uh, speak, you know, at the Rotary Club or, or uh, yeah, but I could join Toastmasters, right? So you begin to come up with with those things. And then the affirmation, why do I find it so easy to be a good speaker? because I read the books, because I did this, because I did that. Now, sometimes it's good to have a mentor, a peer, or someone that could jumpstart your yeah buts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like I just did a whole bunch there about Toastmasters, and those are things that came into my mind, right? So sometimes doing that with with other people, you know, is, is key. Now, if you want to go deeper, yes, now you could start to ask yourself questions like, you know, do I want to become a good speaker, like why do I want to become a good speaker, right? So why is a really powerful thing to begin to uncover, you know, why are you avoiding that? Maybe it was something from your past, you know, like maybe you were tongue-tied when you were a little kid and that memory, you know, is still, you've got to change that, right? And one of the nice things about our mind, and actually the last five years, brain science is off the charts. They can actually chemically see when you create a new thought now and, and measure it. But anyway, back into your mind is that your memories, you know, can be changed by you kind of reliving them, but giving them different meaning. If you went back to that time, you know, where you were tongue tied as a kid or something like that and say, well, here's what I learned from that. And because of this, you know, what, what did I learn from that? What is the good thing that, that I could see now? And you kind of reframe it. Right. But then again, you can go back and do a little bit of the past work. But also what I like is I like this strategy of kind of win early, win often. And so my thing would be, you know, let's let's get some momentum. Let's get some speaking momentum. Uh, and now first say, why do you want this to become this person? And, and it's got to be strong enough. Like, eh, you don't really want to be a speaker. Okay, maybe you don't have to be a speaker. That's okay. If you want to be, then how do you step into that new identity? I'm a speaker and do it. I, I like to win early, win often. And in that case, 
Well, leaps and little steps both works. Like a big leap. I'm going to take a speaking boot camp, right? Jump right in. That's all the way. Big leap. Or just a little step is, you know what? I'm going to record a video for my mentor, for my friend. You know, I'm going to start doing little videos, little videos to my friends. Then I'm going to step it up to a Facebook Live. Then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to become a podcast guest and join Podmatch or, you know, and, and just kind of take it up in, in little steps. And the nice thing about the little steps is that starts you in the direction. And then you see if it's like, wow, I'm really excited about that. I want to go forward. Or, you know, that's not for me. But, you know, you can't steer a parked car, right? You, you got to be moving. And even if you're moving in the wrong direction, I prefer movement. So then we know, we know if that's, that's a road south. I like to say, you know, why build a road south when you're headed north? And my wife is really good about saying, hey, road south. I'm like, hey, hey, honey, I was thinking about doing road south and it's not in alignment with where I really want to go. But anyway, so yes, there's some work you can do if it's a deeper thing, but those same tools uh, work even on the deeper kind of identity stuff. Yeah. So, th- I mean, you're kind of anticipating where I'm going with this too. And that's kind of the nexus of taking the mindset shift into practical action to, you know, bring about the, bring about the results. And I'm sure you could speak about this for hours and hours. In fact, you do, but, you know, tell us some good tips for people. Um, in addition to what you just said, of making some sustained habit changes that can make you bring about better results and make you um, a little bit more of an intentional person. Yeah. So, you know, we are creatures of habit, you know, biochemically, we are creatures of habit. And so now they've studied the neurons. And so when you create a habit, there's this myelation, this insulation that goes on the neurons that allows them to communicate uh, faster and uh, with less resistance and, and also on automatic pilot. So I, I have a framework, which which I think would be fun to share with the listeners called 21 second habits, right? So how to create new habits in 21 seconds, not 21 days. Now, scientifically with this myelation, it does take about 21 days for the beginning of a new habit to neurologically be there. And now they just, uh, the, the latest study shows that it takes 63 days to actually wire the habit in your brain so that it could run on its own. But we're going to we're gonna hack all that and we're just going to go right to uh, basically 21 seconds or instantaneously. Uh, and so remember what I said about self-fluence though. The, the fact is that everything you need is within reach. You don't need anything else. You're already doing it and you can master it. And so I often talk to people, uh, or I'll even ask you, like in the last 24 hours, you know, uh, Rory, have you brushed your teeth? Of course I have. Okay. And so how long have you had that habit of brushing your teeth? Longer than I can remember. Okay. So decades, uh, you know, decades you've had that. So I, I want people to understand you're already a habit master. You know how to do this stuff. You know how to create new habits and how to stick with them. Um, and so then I tell the story on how the 21 second habits came about for me was that my wife, Beth, uh, luckily this is past tense. She used to have nearly daily migraine headaches. And so the doctor gave her this log, this like extensive headache log. You know, what did you eat? What are the triggers? What's the weather like? What was the barometric pressure? And she could fill it out for one, two days. And then she'd forget to do it. Then she would lose it. Then she'd get frustrated. Uh, and she's having these migraines. So it, it was a bad situation. But one day I'm watching her brush her teeth. And, you know, my wife is that, you know, dentist recommended two minutes in the morning, two minutes at night. So there's four solid minutes. And I said, Beth, look, take your headache log, put it underneath the toothpaste and the toothbrush. 
And every time you brush your teeth, then fill it out. You know, so basically here's the key, first key to the 21 second habits is habit linking. So she took this habit she couldn't do and she linked it to brushing her teeth. And she went 90 days in a row. She you know, went from, can't do it two or three days. So she went 90 days in a row, filling that thing out. And, you know, anyway, got it to the doctors. And, and now she might have a migraine once every couple of months, which is fantastic. It's that low. So anyway, so habit linking, that's the first key is to think about all these habits. You know, you wake up in the morning, you get dressed, use all these habits that you could link your new habit too. And so I'll give you a second example because there's a couple of other keys to this. And so the second example is then I said, okay, I want to start some new habits myself, you know, every single day. And so, so what I did is I said, okay, what is something that I do, uh, you know, without any willpower required every single morning? And it's my smartphone. I pick up my smartphone. Sometimes the alarm's going off there. And so I realized that I could have it linked. So I wanted to do this Bible app, but then I also want to take a mind shower every day. And we talked about what is a preventative way to stay positive. And for me, people like physically wash their body every day, but I thought I want to wash my mind out every day. I want to get the head trash out, you know, social media news, sometimes family, friends, you know, there's a lot of head trash that I'm getting every day. And so I wanted to wash that out. And so what I did is I opened my my uh, smart my iPhone. I moved all the apps off the home page, and I just put those two apps on there. And then every single day when I open my phone, I have to do those two things before I'm allowed to see uh, or touch any other apps on my phone. Now this is the second key. So the first key is habit linking. The second key is urge surfing. So if you can have an urge, something that you have a strong desire for that you can surf the energy and the desire to force you to do the habit, then it works out really well. So for me, what happens when I, why do I open my phone first thing in the morning? Obviously, I want to check. I've got text messages. I want to check news, social media, what orders have come in, how's the bank account, all these different things I want to check. My son lives in Denmark. He usually texts during the night and I see that icon and there's messages waiting for me, right? And so I surf that urge. And so that has worked for me. Today was day 1,717 days in a row that I've done that habit of the mind shower and, and the Bible app every single day. No problem, no willpower required. I'm opening that phone every day and then I'm surfing that urge to make it happen. And then the last part is leverage. So you got uh, linking, the habit linking, urge uh, surfing, and then leverage. And so you get leverage on yourself. You could use rewards, the carrot, right? The carrot, so if I do this new habit for seven days, I'm gonna buy the book I want, or the stick, you know, you could have some kind of penalty if you don't, you know, if you fall off doing the habit. Uh, but also there's a natural leverage when you get three or four days in a row, there's a natural inclination by your by your mind to want to keep that happy. You don't want to break the chain. That's uh, super powerful. And that framework can be used to create whatever new habit you want. I was working with an attorney uh, recently, and uh, her name's Anne, and, and she's like, Blaine, I know you always tell me next day planning is the most important thing. Like, never let a day end without planning the next one is what I say. And I said, you're right. I said, are you, you know, when you get up, do you have a plan? She goes, no, most days I don't have a plan. And I said, okay, Anne, what is something you do in the morning, every single morning, no willpower required, 
You don't even have to think about it. It happens. She says, I have a cup of coffee every day. I said, you make your own coffee? She goes, yeah, I have a machine. Da, da, da. I said, good. Go to the machine and put a pad of paper and a pen next to the machine. And in the morning, I want you to make the coffee, smell the coffee, get that urge to want to drink that coffee super high. But you can't take the first sip until you've made the list. Now, the list might just be two or three items that you have to do that day, or it could be a more extensive schedule, right? But you've got to start the list before you drink the coffee, right? And so for her, you know, that made all the difference. She didn't have to think about it. And she created this new habit, linked it to an existing one, had the urge to surf. Really, she kept doing it because it helped her, you know, have a much more kind of productive day. It does. And so, I mean, under the principles of self-fluence, you can kind of use what you're already doing, what you already have to instill, you know, good habits going forward. Is there a role for external accountability in self-fluence or is that something that you kind of discourage or leave outside of it? No, it's a huge part. There's an accountability and the accountability that you have with yourself is okay, but for most people, it's not great. And so external accountability in all the programs, the mastermind groups I work with and and, in programs that I have for entrepreneurs, they all have an outside accountability component and encouragement component. So it's accountability mixed with encouragement is what people need. And so many, many more times likely to get something done if you have an outside accountability to someone else. And that can be an accountability buddy, partner, that could be a small group, kind of the more public it is, you know, if you declare it, you know, on social media, something you're going to do, you have a much higher uh, level of doneness to those things. And and so you want to have some external accountability, 100%, and some kind of encouragement, both. And then again, back to this, you know, kind of win early, win often, um, but you don't want to win all the time. And so there's a golden ratio of winning. And now it's different for different people. I, I initially learned about this. I was coaching my kids in tennis. And I realized that there was this magic ratio, and it turned out to be 70%, that I needed to make sure both my son and daughter, that they were winning about 70%. Now, if they're winning more than that, like 90% of the time or more, they weren't learning anything. They were just going in and doing like a beatdown on the opponent, and, and they didn't learn anything in that match, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, But on the flip side, if they were losing more than half their matches, there was a discouragement that came in that they'd be like, Dad, I don't want to do tennis anymore. I don't want to go to that tournament. And so I had to be really aware of that win, that golden win ratio. And so if they're winning 90%, they're like, Dad, why do I have to play in this tournament like an age higher? I said, well, Mm -hmm. because it's time to learn, right? Or Dad, why are we driving to Tucson to play in this this tournament, you know, that, uh, you know, it's going to be an easy one for me? Well, because I want to just build some more skills, right? You know, so I had to have that. And so for you, you're going to have that ratio. For me, it's like 90%, like my daily to-do list, Mm -hmm. my goals, I like to hit them about 90%. But if I'm hitting them 100%, I know I'm not stretching. I know I'm not growing. And you learn more from losing than you do by winning. So it's important on a number of levels, it's important to realize that because the failures are much more instructive typically than the big wins. Uh, you know, so so knowing that going in and knowing that failure is okay and failure is a way to learn is also key. But yes, accountability and encouragement from an outside source is imperative to uh, to your doneness. And I know a lot of professionals, you know, attorneys in small practice, you work with attorneys and dentists um, and other professionals that have a tendency to work by themselves. And this becomes a particularly lonely area for a lot of the professionals, but also a very difficult one where you are the only one holding yourself accountable to a large extent and your success really 
hinges on your ability to hold yourself accountable for it. So these are some, you know, really good tips. And if people were looking in these professions for, you know, a little bit of help or external guidance or external accountability, where do you recommend they turn? So a couple of things there. One is that you're 100% right. This owner business ownership, especially for attorneys uh, and professionals, real estate professionals too, it can be very lonely. Uh, and you know, a lot of times family and friends, they don't understand that stuff, right? So I, I would say a couple of things. One is be sure to have a mentor. Now, if that mentor, you know, could be someone like a Jim Rohn and you're just being mentored through their books and their audio programs, you know, but they're still there for you, right? So Jim Rohn, he's not with us anymore. He was my number one mentor, but he's on my smartphone. He's on my iPhone. I can hit a button and, you know, I'm right there, you know? Uh, and so I, I actually have this five, I shared the stage with him one night and in this five minute block, he said so much mind-blowing seminars in a sentence that that's my go-to five minutes when I need it. So that's one, a mentor. Could be a real, you know, a, a physical person mentor, right? Uh, someone that's down the road a little bit for you, uh, you know, but still in your profession. Um, so so that's, that's uh, so mentors one. And then a peer, right? Do you have a peer? Do you have somebody in the bar association, you know, that you could have a be accountable with that person and have some accountability and encouragement both. Uh, and, and then the next level uh, would be a, a mastermind group, right? And so if, if people want to reach out to me, you know, I can help you, uh, you know, show you some different mastermind groups specifically for, uh, you know, attorneys where then you're in, you know, you're in with like-minded people doing the same stuff, you know, in a non-competitive way, right? All the masterminds, make sure that it's not similar practice areas, similar city, you know, to make sure you feel comfortable. And so I would think that also I'd be happy to work with anybody that that feels like they want to move up, you know, um, and, and get some more results. And they think some clarity, accountability, and encouragement would help them do that. I certainly could help them too with that. And I have to ask, what's it like to work with a bunch of attorneys? Um, I know we can be a very difficult bunch to work with. What has it been like for you to work with with attorneys um, as a large part of your practice? Yeah, it, it's actually been great. I mean, uh, the attorneys I work with who are in mastermind groups tend to be entrepreneurial. They tend to be fairly, uh, you know, collaborative, uh, you know, and when people are growing, like self-development, right? Like there's a lot of mindset work, right? Getting past limiting beliefs. When you're doing that, when you're experiencing growth, uh, you know, a lot of times you got to, you know, 20X yourself to be able to 10X your business, right? But all that self-growth puts people in a positive state. They're nice to be around. And, and I've had uh, a great experience with them. Now, you know, the attorney is unique in that they're trained, you know, to find the little problem, to find the discrepancy in law school and all that. And so a lot of times they are, their minds are trained to find the problems. And sometimes they have trouble finding the good stuff. So, so some of that, you know, there is a lot of kind of, you know, mind work that, that sometimes you have to do to counterbalance that or also to separate it out as your profession. So some people will come home and, you know, they're given the third degree. It's like a trial when they're talking with their kids. Where were you? What time did you get? You know, it's like, whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, uh, hold on, judge. You know, sometimes they have trouble separating that stuff out. But by and large, I've, I've had a great experience, uh, highly intelligent people and, and, and great to work with. 
I take that and I, I hear you loud and clear. I know um, as somebody who has a foot in both real estate investing and the the legal community, the attorney is always looking for the reason not to, the reason no, the reason why something is wrong. Whereas the people in the real estate sphere are always looking for the opportunity, what can be done, and the world is limitless. So there's a little bit of a culture clash going on in my own mind when I work through um, these competing uh, industries. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. Yeah, 100%. You know what? Just the awareness of it, you know, is what will serve you. Just an awareness of it, you know, that there is that little lens difference, you know, the awareness of it's going to help you to be kind of a more complete person. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's like the first step is, is the awareness of it. And then you can proactively move in whatever direction you want and, and begin to, begin to create your the identity that you want right and the mm -hmm. identity that, that that you're looking for and the person that you want to become is possible and um and it's important that you move in that direction of, of who you want to be so I, I think that's great all right so before we get into before we have you explain to everybody where they can find you or even gauge your services um i do want to ask you the same three questions that we ask everybody who comes onto the podcast and i'll put you on the spot here if you had to give a presentation on 30 minutes with no preparation whatsoever um what would that presentation be on yeah so so i would do a presentation on this concept of why what you think about you bring about and i i did a tedx talk about that where you have to like take one idea and you can't talk for more than 12 to 18 minutes or something the talk has to fall within that window so so i did do that and i do think that's our the biggest aha moment i had was the power of our minds to really shape our reality and the ability that we have most people are underutilizing the power of their mind and so i think i hope people the listeners will, will leave with that understanding that that's the most important thing and and really your reality your physical reality is shaped by that lens that the, the mind thoughts that you look through it's like like example if i said i said to you rory okay today I'm sorry to tell you, but today is going to be like the worst day of your life. And then you're like, oh, no, don't tell me that, Blaine. Mm -hmm. And then you go out and you're almost hit by a car. And then you say, oh, gosh, Blaine was right. I was almost hit by the car. I was almost killed. And you're timid and you're fearful the whole day. And and physically, your brain chemistry and your body, you're like, oh, my gosh, well, it's something bad. It's a bad, it's going to be a bad day. And you're, you're physically, you know, scrunched down and afraid of the world. Now, that same morning, I hand you a different lens. And I say, Rory, I don't know why, but today's going to be one of the best days of your life. And then you go out, same exact thing. You're almost hit by the car, except now you say, Blaine was right. I, I'm saved. My, I, my life is spared. I, I was almost killed, but I'm not killed. And you're happy and your brain chemistry is totally different. And you're exuberant and you're fired up about the world. And what, what does the universe have for me? And I'm still here. Da, da, da. And it's a totally different experience physically, chemically, you know, in your brain. And all it was, was that lens that you're looking through, right? So, so anyway, that I think is the most powerful thing that when you, so, so when I take my mind shower in the morning, I really make sure I clean off the lens and choose the lens I want because that's dictating the physical reality later. I agree with you. And I think, you know, the example you give is the, you know, this can be the best day ever or the worst day ever. But the truth is things kind of fall in between. And one of the most empowering things that I can do for myself, and I fall off this wagon more than I should, is 
just the thought that I'm going to own my day. This is going to be, I am going to accomplish what I choose to accomplish today. And just having that thought, I think is more empowering than anything. And it really makes a difference because if you walk in and say, this is just going to be a difficult day, and then you're reactive to everything that comes along your way and you don't move the ball forward in any of your own objectives. Yeah, I agree 100%. That next day planning, right? Planning mm -hmm. out the day, especially when you wake up. If that first like 30 to 60 minutes is automatic pilot, like you know what you're going to do. You know, most people win the day, you know, in that first 30 to 60 minutes. And if you know that, you know, yeah, then you, you got some of the stuff done maybe for you personally, like people have a little morning routine or something where you can say, look, I've already won the day. Here we are. You know, um, I've I already won the day when I go to bed because I've kind of mapped it out. So it is kind of my day. Now, life throws you some curveballs and circumstances, but you know what? That's not every day. That's, you know, that's more the rarity than, you know, my days get hijacked, but, but not very often. The second question we ask everybody is, um, what's something that happened to you early in your life or career that affects how you work today? Yeah. I mean, I would just go back to that story of my son, you know, it kind of gave me the cold shoulder, you know, and, and that, that night, you know, that night I did kind of remember both my parents worked and my brother, a lot of times he wasn't home when I got home from school and I'd come into the empty house. It was kind of like scary, uh, you know? So, so anyway, all that, all those memories flooded back, but that clarifying decision, right. Made the clarifying decision to be the work from home dad, that, that uh, definitely changed kind of the trajectory of my life. And that's something, I mean, you said a little bit more poignantly with that moment that your son just kind of gave you the cold shoulder. We've heard that from a number of people where the realization that of why they're doing this in the first place, they might be successful in their business endeavors, but they wanted to be there for their family, their spouse, um, their community. And they, you know, what they were pursuing was actually taking them farther and farther away from their, their real motivation. So thank you for that. Finally, what's something that you're watching, listening to, or reading these days? Yeah, I read the book Think and Grow Rich, you know, once a year. So this is the time of the year that I'm doing that. But then also, I will say that I've listened to this one program 50 times or more, more than 50 times now, and it's Jim Rohn's Power of Ambition. And so Jim Rohn's Power of Ambition, that's probably my favorite program. That's my go-to. You know, a lot of times people have that head trash. And I often say, I like to say the solution to pollution is dilution. Right. And so you think of that science beaker with a dark liquid and you mm -hmm. pour more and more water gets clearer, 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 you know, and so the solution to pollution is dilution. And I like to pour in the positive. And that's the program that uh, that I use to kind of, you know, kind of pour into myself every day. So I think that's that's probably my favorite favorite thing. And and I'm kind of, you know, listening to that kind of over and over. It's available on Audible. Yeah, you probably can find it on YouTube because it's it's an older program. Right. Thank you. And all right. So for all of our listeners who are out there who want to find out more about you, um, see some of the, the longer form work that you've done, um, or even engage you, um, how can they find you? Yeah, the easiest thing is just go to blainetedx.com. So B-L-A-I-N-E-T-E-D-X.com. There you can opt in for the TEDx talk that I did. You get a transcript, you get to watch it. Uh, and in that talk, I talk about Waiteba, but more importantly, I talk about a practical way that you could take your, what I call your bring about statement, whatever you're trying to bring about in your life, could be a goal, personality trait, and remind your subconscious mind of it about a hundred times a day with no, you know, no work on your part. So, so anyway, that, that's in there, but then we'll also be connected. You'll have my email, you'll get the articles I do. And, and if I could help anybody or serve anybody in any way, I'd love to do it. All the ways you can get in touch with Blaine are 
in the show notes for this episode. So if you didn't catch it um, while watching or listening, um, it's all available for you. Thank you, Blaine, so much for um, being on the podcast with us. My name is Rory Gill, the broker owner of Next Home Title Town, nexthometitletown.com in Boston, Massachusetts, and Urban Village Legal, urbanvillagelegal.com. Thank you, Blaine, so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'll leave you with this. The bad news is time flies. The good news, you're the pilot. So pilot well, my friends. All right. Thank you. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures. And law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.